0: Welcome to the Drinking with the Saints podcast with Mike and Alexandra Foley,
1: where each week we mix a bartender's guide with the lives of the saints to help you celebrate the feasts of the calendar with liturgically correct cocktails.
0: Let's get started.
1: Welcome to the Drinking with the Saints podcast. I'm Mike Foley.
0: And I'm Alexandra Foley.
1: And we are so happy that you are here to join us for our holy happy hour during the great season of Advent, we have a great episode.
0: Oh, do we now?
1: We have an amazing drink with perhaps the best visual appeal. That's of very true. All the cocktails that we offer in our various books.
0: Also an olfactory experience.
1: Ooh, nice use of olfactory. olfactory. It smells good.
0: <laughs> it smell good.
1: And then we're going to talk about an amazing season within the season called the Golden Knights. And then we are going to announce the finalists for the nicknames for the followers of Drinking with the Saints. And then finally, we will discuss Christmas trivia from my new book, Why We Kiss Under the Mistletoe, Christmas Traditions Explained.
0: That sounds very exciting. I'm so excited to hear you talk more about your new book, Mike.
1: You never tire of hearing me I mean, talk about me. Never, You're just such ever. a faithful wife.
0: I'll explain why I said that in a little bit.
1: Okay. Probably I need to ply you with a drink first.
0: That seems like a pretty good idea.
1: All right. So great visual appeal. We are making Adenize smoking, rosemary, old fashioned, rife with symbolism. But first the drink, then the explanation.
0: Okay. I, by the way, when you come back from making the drink, I have a question about Adonai. I love, I love that term for our Lord, but I I also sometimes, I know it has a lot of biblical and Old Testament references, and I I want to understand it more so I can love it more.
1: So what we are going to do is take a regular old-fashioned cocktail, which is one of the classics, one of the three top Martini, Martini Manhattan, Manhattan Old, old fashioned.
0: fashioned. Those are my top three favorites.
1: We're going to take that and we're going to take a sprig of dried rosemary. And it's got to be dried. If you get fresh, you can just put it in the toaster oven for four minutes. And Watch it will dry your toaster out.
0: oven. We've had several fires doing this.
1: Mistakes have been made.
0: Every fire, every oven is different. So use your it, discretion.
1: Indeed. We are going to set it on fire. Then
0: On purpose this time.
1: Indeed. And then we are going to extinguish it with a glass put above the old-fashioned glass, which has the contents, and the smoke will infuse the bourbon or rye with a magnificent smoky flavor.
0: And we promised to post a reel to our Instagram at, at Drinking Saints so that you can see how to do this. Mike doesn't actually want me to do a video right now.
1: I'm really not properly dressed, but... <laughs> so if, out of your
0: jammies, Mike.
1: <laughs> so just so you know, if there is another reel that shows me better dressed, it was from the fabled bookstore book launch, which I prefer because, you know, they, they showed my good side.
0: Yeah, you were all dressed nice. But I believe in cinema real. Okay, I'm going to start videoing now, and I'm telling you the ingredients. Okay, two ounces of Redemption Rye Whiskey. Why Redemption, Mike?
1: We chose Redemption Rye for its name. It is a fantastic rye. But to be perfectly honest, we're cheating tonight with Evan Williams. Because Redemption Rye is almost too good to be used mm. in a cocktail. Okay. It can be sipped neat. All right. I'm making two of these drinks. One for me and one for my love.
0: Look at that expert measuring, too. It's like you're a barkeep.
1: Well... Little secret, the little plastic stoppers on the top of bottles, if you count 1,001 as you pour, that is exactly one half an ounce. So the
0: more you know. Ha!
1: So, normally a an old-fashioned takes maybe one teaspoon of simple syrup, which is equal parts sugar and water, but this is such a smoky drink, you will want to sweeten it a little bit more, so it's two to three teaspoons of simple syrup. And then finally, a couple of dashes of Angostura bitters.
0: All right, and at this point, you've basically just made a old fashioned.
1: Correct. But here is where it gets interesting.
0: But wait, there's more.
1: So we're gonna take the sprig of rosemary. I'm gonna take some of the sprigs from the bottom and remove them because if you don't, the flame will go all the way to your <laughs> fingers and burn them like a matchstick. You don't wanna do that.
0: This is born of much experience. Didn't you have to make these ones at the Ritz-Carlton? You had to make like 30 of them <laughs> once.
1: And we were really worried we were going to set off the fire alarms. Yeah. It, was, it was pretty scary. That was pretty fun. All right. So I'm making one and then I'm making another.
0: All right. He's lit a lighter and the flame has gone up. There's smoke everywhere. And that's a pretty big flame.
1: And we count to 10.
0: One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four, one thousand, five, so one thousand. So if you can
1: see it, you can see how the smoke magnificently infuses the drink. Dead.
0: Ooh, it's so pretty. I'm going to zoom in.
1: All right, renew the second.
0: And now he is lighting the second one on fire. And his fingers. I've seen you use a sieve before.
1: And I should have used it tonight. So you can put a little sieve over the rim of the glass to prevent the debris of the burnt rosemary from going into your drink.
0: Now, didn't one of our genius friends show us how to do this like in a big bowl? Like you you could make a, you know, like a punch bowl of old fashions. And then you can do like a big spray of rosemary and then put something big over that and capture it. So you're doing a whole portion of them as opposed to doing... Like we did at the Ritz-Carlton, 30 separate ones.
1: Yes, and there are things called smoking guns. Unfortunately, they cost about 100 bucks. Not going to do it. You can pull the trigger on it, and it will infuse it that way as well. But this is the poor man's option, which we, as the parents of six children, heartily embrace.
0: And we love all those six children. We have no regrets. All right, this is gorgeous. Gorgeous. Does it have an ice cube?
1: You can add ice if, if you want.
0: All right. Well, what do we say?
1: Stay with us, O Lord, for it is getting towards evening. Bless and our, bless our drinks,
0: drinks in our, our conversation. conversation, Oh, Ad and I.
1: Have mercy on us. Have
0: mercy on us. Mmm. Oh, Ooh, so smoky. Yeah, but good. I'm generally speaking, you know, I'm like Mike has a smoker for smoky meat, and you know, I'm, we live in Texas. So there's a lot of barbecue and smoke stuff. I like, there's liquid smoke. Oh, actually, probably could just add liquid smoke to this, huh?
1: There is a heck for that, by the way.
0: I bet there is. But I have to say, I'm not a huge, oh, I love everything smoky. That's my jam. But I really love this drink. I love just how it takes the old-fashioned, and it gives it just a little upgrade.
1: And again, the party appeal is great. Setting things on fire. Who doesn't love to set things (laughs) on fire?
0: Yeah, we've got some serious pyros in this family. I love fire.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So what was your question about Adonai?
0: Just tell me what you know about Adonai because I love that term it just seems so tender and intimate.
1: The proper name of God in the Old Testament is
0: Yahweh. <gasps> you said it. Oh sorry, that's what to say I, it. I don't
1: know. That's the controversy, right? That it's his personal name but it's so holy that the pious Jew will never utter it. Okay. And so
0: Guess what? I'm not a pious Jew. <laughs> What Never they on. did
1: instead was substitute, every time they came upon the word Yahweh, they would.
0: You said it. I know.
1: They would substitute another word like Adonai or Elohim, which means Lord or Lord God. Elohim. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Elohim, I believe, means Lord. Mm-hmm. And Adonai is another word for Lord, another word like for that. God. Yeah. I was not prepared to answer these questions tonight. <laughs> But so the reason why this is called Adonai's smoking rosemary, old fashioned, is that it honors the appearance of God in the burning bush to Moses.
0: That's what I thought. I thought I remembered that. I knew that. I knew that.
1: There is a tradition that. that when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, it was not just God generically, but it was God the son, that God the son... Appeared to Moses, and the fire consumed the bush, but did not consume the bush.
0: Mm-hmm. Unlike our drink.
1: And so, exactly. And so, that also became a symbol of the Blessed Virgin Mary, that she was consumed, but not violated. Mm. So, this leads us to the Golden Nights and one Mike, of the evenings. What are the Golden Nights? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question, Alexandra. The Golden Nights are a season within the season starting on December 17th and ending on December 23rd, there is a period where there are special antiphons for the evening prayer of Vespers. And each of these antiphons addresses the Son of God by a different title, and it goes through all of sacred history. So December 17th is O Wisdom, who co-created with God the Father.
0: Okay, so we did O Adonai for this. Yes. From the 17th, it's O Wisdom. So can I read what the antiphonus? Please. A Wisdom that came forth from the mouth of the Most High, reaching from one end to the other and ordering all things mightily and sweetly. Come to teach us the way of prudence. Ooh, that's so beautiful.
1: And then the 18th, which is the drink we have for this evening, we're giving you advanced warning.
0: O Adonai and ruler of the house of Israel, who appeared unto Moses in the burning bush and gave him the law on Sinai, come to redeem us with an outstretched arm. So we have prudence. We have this wisdom. Is, uh, wisdom. Oh, sapiens, That, yeah. that yeah. mentions prudence at the end. Mm-hmm. And then here we have, is it law? Is
1: oh, it, Adonai. Mm-hmm.
0: Adonai, law.
1: Gives the law. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And then after that, it's... What is it? The Root of Jesse, the Key of David. Right, Root of Jesse. It goes to the Age of the Prophets. And I believe the last one on December 23rd is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Heard of it. And guess what? That's where that great Advent hymn comes from.
0: Oh, it's such a great hymn.
1: Such a great hymn. And what's so cool is if you take the titles of the pre-incarnate Son of God, Sapientia, Adonai... Uh, Radix, Yese, Root of Jesse, you take all of those and they spell an acrostic. There's Ooh. a secret message. And when you finish praying on December 23rd and you look at the acrostics, it says, Ero cras." Oh
0: my gosh, I just got chills.
1: Which means, I will be there tomorrow. Oh. So God answers our prayers in our very prayers.
0: Ero, I will.
1: I will and then cra c r a s tomorrow.
0: I w- so I will be tomorrow.
1: Yeah, you know, I'll be the, the there is implied. Lots of Latin has implied.
0: Sure, stuff. but also I will be like I'll I'll be born. I will be. Yeah, will, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm
0: coming tomorrow. Oh gosh, yeah, this faith is a,
1: incredible. Such a like the Roman liturgy is so cool. It has so many of those cool little secrets.
0: So, do you feel like you have to be able to you have to pray vespers in order to appreciate the? You call them the goldenites. I've also heard them called the O antiphons.
1: They're also called the Great Antiphons. And there was a great tradition in medieval monasteries. It was a special time of joy. It was anticipation. It was still penance, but it was a special time of joy. And the monks would exhort each other by saying, "Keep your O."
0: Keep your O. Keep your
1: O. Which I always picture. Happening kind of a berry white baritone, like (laughs) Keep your o, baby. Baby.
0: Yeah. It's cool. Does that go along with the smoky drink? Totally. I picture just like monks walking down like some you know cloistered hall with their hands in their what are these called?
1: Like the scapular. The hands are like
0: underneath their scapular, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then they pull it out and they snap to each other and go, Keep your o.
1: That's exactly the way it should be. I'm pretty sure
0: that's the way it is.
1: No doubt. No doubt. And the snapping of the fingers. That's not like an American thing.
0: That's okay. Mildly annoyed <laughs> because we always like to make, whenever we say, it's oh, it's the O oh, antiphons. And then one of us says,
1: Oh, are they?
0: Oh, are they? Bottle rocket? I did. Uh, it's from a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, it's bottle rocket. Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Rushmore. Oh, you got
1: me. Rushmore. Yeah. Boom. Right.
0: Yeah. Great movies. Highly recommended. Okay. Now what? All right. So. I like my drink. I could have used some ice. Well.
1: Just keep your old baby. <laughs> so the Golden Knights, super awesome. Keep this period as a way of anticipating the Messiah and thinking about the ways in which the Son of God was present in human history even prior to his incarnation.
0: So, is that in turn supposed to remind us of how he's present to us? Oh, yeah. In our daily life? Like he's present right now. Like he's present. Also, he's coming in this special way, being born into your heart on Christmas, reborn.
1: Absolutely. I like it. All right. We have exciting news for our listeners. You have been so kind to offer nickname suggestions for the followers of Drinking with the Saints.
0: Okay. We have narrowed it down to three. That we like the most. And then I think we're going to do a poll on Instagram and Facebook. Correct. Because we definitely know how to do that.
1: Yeah, we do.
0: We're going to learn how to do that.
1: Wait, first, let us thank several of the contributors.
0: I was going to do a drum roll.
1: They include, but are not limited to, Mike and Emily Marcucci.
0: Bill Archer.
1: Melissa Jansen.
0: Roseanne Sullivan.
1: And Joseph Felice Previtali.
0: Great name. Mm-hmm. I think he just gets it for just for the cool name. That's right.
1: <laughs> All right. Although I'm so,
0: uh, Melissa Jansen. I'm sorry, but like, that's she's Jansenist. That's hey, her- it's don't a heresy. Kiss Melissa. Sorry, Melissa. Oh, I'm just, I'm totally kidding. Wow.
1: <laughs> Jansanius was the name. She's oh, yeah. totally different.
0: Totally different. I like you, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. All right. Okay. And the three names are saintly sippers, communion of sots, <laughs> holy happy
1: habitues. Holy happy hour holy happy hour habitues. Habitues? Yeah. 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 Oh. I like that one. First of all, it has alliterative value.
0: Sure. Holy happy hour. Yeah. Habitues. Habitues. Yeah,
1: like you're habituated to the holy hour. I get happy that, hour. so it's French. Me And I also really like Communion of Sots with the motto is it's a feast day somewhere. Start but. The- my only hesitation about sought. I don't like it. It means a habitual drunkard. So it's tongue in cheek, but we don't wish to promote drunkenness. We we're, wish to promote merriment.
0: Right. We're pro moderation. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I guess we're going to leave it to, to our listeners.
1: That's right. Let us know which of the three you like the most saintly sippers, communion of sots, holy happy hour habitues. Okay. Excellent. All right. We look forward to your responses.
0: You can find us on Instagram at Drinking Saints and on Facebook, Drinking with the Saints.
1: For the final portion of our evening together, we are going to talk about some of the exciting things that you can learn from my new book, Why We Kiss Under the Mistletoe, Christmas Traditions Explained. And Mrs. Alexandra Foley has graciously agreed to ask me three questions. I don't know if her plan is to stump me or what. I, I don't know. I just, I turn it over to you, dear.
0: I made a joke before about, I can't wait to hear you talk about your book more. Because Mike has been doing tons and tons of interviews and he does them from his home office, which is also in our bedroom. So I've overheard a lot of uh, mistletoe trivia, but it's given me the opportunity to come up with a couple of questions for you.
1: Yeah. So you could ask questions that they haven't asked, and you could quite possibly stump me tonight.
0: Okay. I don't have any stump. I didn't prepare any stumpers.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Like I don't have like, who wrote Silent Night? I think you know.
1: Okay, good. Who wrote it? Father Moore. M-O-H-R. In Austria? Yes.
0: Are we related to anybody who has some kind of association with the origin of Silent Night? No. <laughs>
1: yes. False. Yes, we do. Go ahead.
0: False. Actually, I need you to tell the story.
1: It was the person who wrote the music for Silent Night. Right. Who You're was just... a layman, and he is the ancestor of our dear sister No.
0: Sister-in-law? Yeah,
1: she is sister-in-law.
0: Yeah, my beloved sister-in-law, Christina McCall Ryan. That's Hi. right. Hello, Christina. I love her so much.
1: All right. So, okay. Got distracted. Well, since you mentioned Silent Night, it is a beautiful story. Okay. So, it was the early 1800s, and Father Moore, who was an Austrian priest, was very desirous of celebrating a high mass on Christmas Eve for his congregation, but the organ was broken. And so he could not do a high mass. He had to do a low mass, and he was disconsolate. So he dusted off a poem that he had written several years earlier commemorating the end of the Napoleonic Wars. Mm. Oh, silent night. It was the first time in many years that the guns of war were silent on the European continent.
0: We take so much for granted. Yeah. I mean, think of even just like my dad growing up. Christmases that took place during the war, and I'm sure, we had other wars, but wow, we have been so blessed to have such mostly peace and not having wars that have affected us like that.
1: And not wars on our shores, right? right? Yeah, 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 we've been blessed. So, he wrote this poem, he had a friend set it to music, which is Christina's ancestor, mm-hmm. and played it that night, became an instant hit. And there's a beautiful postlude to this story during the first Christmas of World War I. There is called the Christmas Truce, where suddenly, December 24th, on the front lines of the Western Front, the German troops broke out in song, singing Stille Nacht, Silent Night. And when they finished, the English troops cheered them and then sang Silent Night in English. And before you knew it, Mm -hmm. both sides had crossed into no man's land. They exited their trenches. They shook each other's hands. They exchanged gifts of tobacco, buttons, souvenirs. In the thousands, the generals on both sides did not know about this and were furious. Mm -hmm. But it was this beautiful moment of Christian chivalry where you do not fight on the night of the Lord's nativity.
0: you're And you're united by the humanity. The,
1: and by a deeper yeah, faith. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so a smaller version The faith that God
0: became man.
1: The smaller version happened Christmas 1915. Mm-hmm. But by 1916, all the goodwill had been dried up by the Great War's cruelty. Mm. And that was the last gasp of christian chivalry in western yeah, warfare
0: warfare oh that's really sad yeah sorry to bring you down yeah no i need a drink oh wait i still, <laughs> still have one okay well tell us then gosh i feel like this next one okay what's the what's the craziest thing that you learned
1: uh the craziest thing i learned is that iceland be crazy
0: iceland be crazy
1: iceland be crazy Iceland it just has the weirdest customs. Like, I was reading this and I'm like scratching my head, rubbing my eyes. We in still approve
0: of Iceland will receive any kind of endorsements that Iceland as a country or any of their products want to give us. Thank you very much.
1: Iceland, when I say you be crazy, that's not it's, a criticism. It's like love I'm in our just heart. saying, you know, you're kind of an outlier. You have 12 gnomes for the 12 days of Christmas, and then you've got this thing called the Christmas cat. The Christmas cat is a man eating cat. That will eat anyone who is not wearing new clothes for Christmas.
0: Uh-oh. i got to get shopping.
1: Well, no, what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to make the family clothes.
0: Oh Yeah, that's really going to happen.
1: So there are three reasons for the Christmas cap. Number one, it was an incentive... To get new clothes? For the women folk who made the clothes to not complain about making the clothes. <laughs>
0: Okay, I'm complaining <laughs> about this whole thing right now. That's really irritating to me. You're like, get on it because we don't have a Christmas cat. Meow.
1: Number two it's for the kids to stop complaining. When okay, they, when I'm, they, I'm for that. When they get socks for Christmas and they moan about it like, hey, I'm keeping you from getting eaten by the Christmas cat, shut your yap.
0: Okay, besides the shut your yap part, I really like that one.
1: I think shut your yap is eminently appropriate. Moving anyway, on. number three, it was a reminder... To clothe the poor in the bitter winter of Iceland with clothes. You imagine what because that's like. if you don't clothe the poor, they will end up as catnip.
0: Oh, uh, that definitely fulfills crazy. Like that was the category I was looking for, and you win, ding ding ding! Congratulations. Well, but I,
1: I, I like the moral substratum of the whole thing.
0: Why a cat? Doesn't that seem weird? Like I don't think of cat as being Christmassy at all. Like you'll be eaten by a reindeer. You're not
1: going to be eaten by a reindeer. They're they're herbivores.
0: I'm sorry. It's more likely I'm gonna be eaten by a cat. Actually, I think I've read stories about that. They are predators. They are.
1: Yeah. Maybe they didn't have wolves in Iceland. I don't know.
0: A bobcat. (laughs) Right. Okay. That that was that was definitely crazy, Mike. Thank you. Well done. Okay, the next question is. What advice would you give for someone observing Christmas? That seemed like it was a much better question when I wrote it down.
1: Yeah, it's just funny that you actually had to read from a text for that question. I know,
0: and I can't have my glasses on, so I can't really see what it says. Okay, i are going to take a little pause here. All right.
1: Well, you're a kind interviewer. I think you know the answer to the question. It is exercise restraint during the season of Advent, oh, good. even with the Golden Nights. It's still joy and anticipation, but a wee bit of restraint. And then, during the 12 days of Christmas, let out all the stops. And we will have episodes about the 12 days of Christmas.
0: We get a little crazy.
1: It is a period of unbroken merriment. The problem with our marketing season today is that it begins earlier and earlier every year. This year, we saw jack-o'-lanterns and christmas trees side by side for sale in the store what's up with that that'd be crazy it's just
0: depressing
1: so depressing i don't
0: understand yeah and then of course we always complain about like the day after christmas everyone's throwing their tree out yeah like we're just getting the party started over at the foley's
1: that's exactly right so when you start the christmas season earlier and earlier by the time you get to december 25th you're practically sick of christmas
0: right
1: you know the final credits of it's a wonderful life roll and you're like i'm done but and then you throw your Christmas tree out the next day. That's terrible. No, no, put the Christmas tree up as late as possible. It doesn't matter if you do it earlier. But the point is, keep Christmas alive during the twelve days of Christmas, right. which is the period between December twenty fifth and January sixth, the Feast of the Epiphany.
0: Traditionally, we have put our Christmas tree up. We we don't even do it buy it usually until the O start, so a week before. This year, we got it early though because. The Christmas tree selection last year when we did that was horrible.
1: Yeah. So the tradition is you didn't put the Christmas tree up until, until December Eve, 24th. Yeah.
0: Like we fudged on that every year and now we've fudged on it even more. But
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, oh. the market is changing. But, but even in the 1960s, every American family waited until December
0: 24th. Right. It's just so nice when the whole culture gets behind like the right thing to do. Okay. We have some friends who have basically a Christmas tree and they call it their advent tree. (laughs) (laughs) I think think on Christmas Eve, they put on different ornaments. All right, my last question for you, my love, is what did you learn that is most going to have an effect on your upcoming Christmas? Stumped Hmm. you.
1: You did.
0: Take all the time you need. Yeah. This is not live.
1: So I guess what I learned is that the modern Christmas has in many ways degenerated from the Christmas of our ancestors. But on the other hand, gains were made. The good thing about the modern Christmas is that it is more family-friendly than the medieval Christmas. The medieval Christmas was great, but it was more about adult mischief than childhood innocence. And we can thank figures like Charles Dickens in the 19th century For introducing a certain kind of sentimentality to the season. Now that can get overblown and you get the mawkish hallmark thing about Christmas, but there is something good about reveling in the innocence of a newborn babe.
0: Right. So do you feel like Christmas should have the innocence of the nativity itself? Absolutely. And yet at the same time, like I've heard you talk about some kind of wacky things maybe we want to save that for a future episode but like goblins and
1: yeah one of the big surprises was the dark side of christmas so many stories about ghosts witches goblins elves which were scary creatures before they were tamed to make toys for santa
0: the the elves were
1: oh yeah elves you didn't want to meet an elf in the woods Mm -hmm. they were bad news and fairies fairies aren't like oh cute little fairies blah blah blah
0: fairies, fairies are bad stole
1: too. babies and abducted the elderly
0: wow that kind of makes sense i mean is there like a these are how are they supposed to fit into our understanding of the sort of the taxonomy or the supernatural hierarchy
1: oh i have no idea but but the po- <laughs> i'm
0: not a theologian
1: <laughs> no oh, but well, but they're not theological categories these yeah. these are like pre-christian pagan holdovers but the point is Christmas was in winter, and winter was a scary time. I
0: think that's the thing.
1: Long dark nights, bitter cold, food scarcity. And when Christmas comes, it pierces these nights of dread. Mm-hmm. But it is still against the backdrop of evil. So, what I do like about the scary side of Christmas is that it reminds you that it's not all saccharine, it's not all sugar plums and candy canes. There is a real evil to fight which is why God became man in the first place.
0: Mm. And does this have any connection or tie into or help for people who feel depressed in the holidays? Like sometimes the holidays can be real rough for mama.
1: Oh, and papa as well. The good thing about these mythological characters is that they are a kind of narrative reminder of the psychological stresses of the season. Mm -hmm. To be aware of the demons of Christmas, the demons of Yuletide, is actually, I think, very psychologically healthy, rather than deny it with you know all the sort of mawkish. Well, you can say mawkish,
0: but also just like you're supposed to be happy, and then it makes you feel like, well, why am I not happy? Yeah, it's that isn't that the happiest time of the year? Everyone It's so happy, and yet a lot of people feel depressed at Christmas
1: because there are goblins and witches and even werewolves.
0: Okay, but those are things that are supposed to, I think, symbolize or highlight what a real natural experience of just sadness. So what is the solution to those things? How do you chase away the goblins or the depression?
1: I think the first step is acknowledging them, even if it is in the mythology of these scary stories. You recognize, okay, this is a season that involves peril.
0: And what's the antidote? So so one is to acknowledge, and then the next one is what?
1: Cling to the good.
0: Cling to the good. Okay. So just like... Gaze upon that babe in the manger who came here and took on our flesh in order to love us and walk with us and then redeem us.
1: Yes. And not in a cheesy sort of, you know, Disney fairy tale ending. The babe comes in order to suffer and die. Yeah.
0: What a good lord. Indeed. Well, I think that's all we have.
1: Yeah. We went really deep. Hope we didn't depress you during Christmas.
0: Did a little goblin creep into our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're so glad that you joined us. And hey, one week to go. And it's, it can be a tough week, but you know, keep your eye on the O.
1: Keep your O, babies. Keep your O's. And to your health and holiness. God bless. Thank you for joining us. Please get in touch with us via email at podcast at
0: or on our Instagram page, at Drinking Saints, and find Drinking with the Saints book series at DrinkingWithTheSaints.com or wherever fine books are sold.
1: The Drinking with the Saints podcast is produced by Back Row Media.